Cora's point of view. Shortly after bringing Jim in dinner, I returned to my quarters. I decided that a nap is probably in order so I'll have enough strength for my escape later that night. So I set an alarm on Sobin's iPod and let sleep take me, thinking of my newfound runaway future in my dreams. When I wake to the incessant beeping of the alarm, I realize that I'm a bit late. I can't keep Jimin waiting. So I make myself look a bit more inconspicuous by tying my hair back into a bun and putting my hoodie back on. I then proceed to leave the room and make my way towards cell block B for the last time, a small bag containing all of my materials on my back. When I finally arrive at Jimin's cell, I'm shocked to find that it's empty. I hear vague footsteps from farther away, and I have a feeling I know what's going on. I run to the nearest janitor's closet, unlock it with the key I stole, and stash my bag in it before I continue following their footsteps. When I catch up to the second sound, enough so I can see who's producing it, I realize my assumptions are correct. Three men are accompanying Jemin to a location, though I know all too well, and one of them appears to be Daiwoo. I hang back, making myself appear less suspicious than I really actually am, and follow the group from a distance. Finally, a door opens and Jimin is taken inside. I have to wait. I know I have to wait. I just don't want to, but I have to. I lean against the wall outside of the room for a minute or two, knowing that it will be suspicious if I walk in immediately. That time, five feels like an eternity, but I wait it out. It finally seems safe, so I proceed into the room. Agreeable, aren't you? That's quite nice. Now I think we owe. I heard Tyro speaking as I entered the room, but he cuts himself off and he notices the door closing. I make a point to judge my situation quickly and cowardly. Jamil is tapped to a table, and a large metal device is above it. Taiwo stands at the side of the table, his hands behind his back. He's wearing a suit, but strictly for theatrical reasons, he only ever does it to appear more intimidating to the prisoners. Two men are standing a few feet away from the table, presumably the ones who brought Jim in here. One of them is Jiwon, a fellow breaker, and I don't know who the other one is. They're both armed to the teeth, and there is no way I'll be able to fight them and get Jimin out of here. As awful as it sounds, he's going to have to endure whatever it is Taiwo has planned for him. Taiwo turns to me, his face brightening when he sees me. Ah, just the girl I wanted to see. Cora, how are you? Fine, sir, I reply, making myself seem stoic and not particularly interested. What's going on? We were just about to do a bit of work with 402. I would love it if you watched with me. Yes, sir. I cross the room and stand beside my standing father, taking in every detail of his face. He's a tall, broad-shouldered man with a moderate build, and his face is particularly vicious. He has small, sharp features that give him an curly hawk-like appearance, and he knows it. He always wears his black hair in an updo to make him look taller and more intimidating. He's truly a formidable enemy, and I'm sure Jimin sees that now. He speaks again. Anything to say, Fozirtu? Speak now or forever hold your peace. He laughs. And it's a malicious laugh. It's deceitful and dominant. He knows he won. I finally force myself to look down at Jimin, not really wanting to face him in this situation, knowing that I can't help him out of it. 
His muscles are tense and his expression is surprisingly blank. When he is asked to speak, he moves his head ever so slightly and looks for just a moment at me. And I see something else in his eyes. Pride. It hasn't left him yet. There is still light in his eyes. He will not let this enemy, no matter how strong, bring him down. Mark Jimin is going to fight until his last breath to get out of here. And if he will, so will I. Jimin speaks and as he speaks, he smiles. It's determined, cunning and rather out of place smile, but it certainly fits his words. Get it over with. At Jimin's words, I want to smile. I want to jump for joy and praise him, but I cannot. In order to keep myself from smiling, I pinch my leg through my jeans. That's the Jimin that I care about so much. The strong one. Ah, he really does have a lot of fight left in him, Cora. Paiva says, patting me on the back before letting his hand rest on my shoulder. He grips it in a way that, that's meant to hold me where I am, and I don't plan on moving. I've got to see this through. Well, it is what it is. Start it up. Yes, sir, Jaywan says, shooting me a small smile as he walks over to the table. He crouches down and presses a few things, and with a quake, the table is stepped backward so Jimin's head is towards the ground. He strains against the straps holding him into the table, but there is nothing he can do. He's got to wait this out, just like I do. A cloth is put over Jimin's face, and I realize that they are going to... What about him? That's a lot better than the other things they could do to him. It won't have as many negative effects. He'll still be able to get out of here easily. The other man begins pressing some buttons on the control panel of the metal contraption, and a tank in the corner of the room bubbles with the release of water. How long should we give him, Cora? I'll let you decide. Pyro says, smiling at me. <clears throat> How long do you think he needs, sir? I ask. That's up to you, kid. You are the one who's been working with him, not me. I think it over, figuring out a way to get Jimin out of here as quickly as possible. A minute, sir. Only a minute. It will show him we mean business. If he needs more, we can always just book another session. Fair enough. One minute it is. He commands the man at the control panel, and he dials in the number 60 on a timer. Commencing in three, I take a breath. Two, I clench my fists. One, the timer begins to count down, and water starts to pour from the top of the machine onto Jimin. I hear a gasp as he takes a breath, with the intent to hold it until the session is over. His chest puffs up with the intake of air, and it doesn't waver even as the rush of waterfalls burn him. Through all of this, he's holding his breath. He's holding on. I dig my fingernails into the palms of my hands to stop myself from doing something stupid. I just stand and watch in silence, not knowing how to cope up with the torturing of a person I care so much about. 23, the timer reads. He's already more than halfway done, and finally the water begins to take its toll on him. He just can't hold his breath anymore, and the water begins to work its dark and evil magic. I watch with horror as he strains and flails against the bronze barrel. The water cascades onto him with great force. He gasps, he retches, and I see his whole body convulsed with pain and lack of air. I can only hope that it, when it's over, 
I can look in his eyes and still see the pride I saw a few minutes ago. He can't let this break him. He's so close. Fourteen. His hand taps the side of the table over and over and over, and I don't know what he's going or doing for a moment or two. Then I realize the pattern of the tapping. Three short taps, three long ones, and then three more short ones. It's SOS, Morse code. Seven. His hands have stopped tapping and are now gripping the edge of the table. I'm sure he's crying. Sharp gurgling noises exit his mouth. The cloth bends and towards his mouth as he tries to breathe. Stopping there from coming through. He's nearly there. He's nearly done. Two. I take a step forward against my better judgment. Tyro looks at me curiously wondering what my intentions are. The timer hits zero and Jiwan takes the cloth off Jimin's mouth as soon as the water stops flowing. Jimin gasps, taking in as much as air, air as his lungs can manage. His eyes are closed. Take him, Tyro instructs. The two men begin to move forward but I interject. I'll do it, sir. He's my responsibility. Very well. This does you too. Tyro gestures to the two men. Jiwan shoots me a wink as he and his companion exit the room, leaving just Taiwu and me. I approach the table and undo the ties around Jimin's wrists and ankles. His whole body is soaked, and I know there is only one thing I can do to help him. Good night, Kura. I'll leave you to take care of him. Good night, sir. He leaves too, and Jimin's eyes finally open. Are you okay? I ask. Knowing it's a stupid question, I take his hand in my own and lean down, putting my ear to his chest. His breathing is raged, but he'll make it. He'll just be coughing. Jimin squeezes my hand reassuringly before trying to speak. When he does, a sputtering cough first erupts from his mouth. He hacks and coughs for a minute or so. I just hold him carefully, letting him know that I'm there. That's all I can do. Just get, get us the hell out of here. He says, and then he laughs again. His laughter brings on another fit of coughing, and it takes a while for it to settle down. He's shivering, and I realize that the water was freezing. Okay, okay, I will. Just be quiet and listen to me, all right? I'll take you back to your cell for one hour, okay? Just one hour. We'll stop at the sanitation block first, get you some warm clothes, and I'll get the last of my stuff ready. I'll come get you, and we'll go, okay? Can you wait one hour? He nods. Then let's go. I grip his chain to my belt and help him up, making sure he doesn't slip on the water that coats the floor. We leave the room and head to the sanitation block, and I get Jimin some towels to dry him off and warm him up before going on a hunt for new clothes. I find a dark gray shirt and black sweatpants that are dark enough to help him blend in, then grab a pair of boxers too. I hand them to a silent Jimin. He walks into a bathroom stall to change. Thank you, he croaks from behind the door. For everything, I'd definitely be dead without you. I'm here for you, Jimin. I manage. I always will be. I care too much about you to let you go. Do we ever figure out whether or not you love me? He asks. I don't think I ever said I did. I responds. I was stuttering. 
Okay, but action speaks louder than words, you know? He opens the door to stand with me, then continues speaking. Judging by your actions, yeah, yeah, whatever, let's focus on getting out you, getting you and me, we both, out of here. Typical. I scoff and reattach the chain to my belt, knowing that soon I won't have to do it anymore. A smile crosses my face as I do so, and then Jimin puts his hand on my shoulder. I do love you, you know. I know. I smile, squeeze Jimin's hand and then lead him from the room, even though I didn't say it. I take Jimin back to his cell, return to my own, and then, using Subin's iPod, figure out where I am and where I need to go. Apparently, I'm near Suwon, just 20 or so miles south of Seoul, and that's under a day's travel on foot. If we can get into a car, it'll only be half an hour or so, so we just have to follow the road that goes north. I spend the rest of my allotted hour preparing the last of my supplies, and then I go get Jimin, who's thankfully sleeping. I wake him and clip the chain to my belt, focusing on keeping it from drinking too much. I stop at the janitor's closet. I left my bag in and turn on the light. Looking around. We're safe for now. Manage. We're ruling the... Wait, um, what did I just say? Oh, never mind. Wait, we're really doing this, huh? Jimin asks. Already he sounds much better. I guess so. Let me see here. I trail off looking around in the closet for something I know it must have. Finally, I see them. A pair of pilots sits on a shelf, totally innocuous, totally inconspicuous. I grab them and begin prying at the lock on Jemin's cuff. I hear myself groan with the strain of trying to break it and I focus my whole body in breaking the lock. Then I hear a crack and the cuff falls to the ground. I did it. Jimin's hand immediately goes to his wrist, not accustomed to the lack of weight here. Thank you, he says again. No problem. I smile, stashing the cuff and chain behind some boxes in a corner and putting the powders in my bag. All right, here's the plan. I begin, put, putting my hand on Jimin's shoulder with purpose. Okay, if we both get out easy, there is nothing to worry about. We go north. No matter what, we go north. If something does happen, I'm going to put myself in the line of fire. They want me more than they want you. If that happens, you run. Follow the roads that take you to Seoul. We're outside of Sowon now, so if you can get to a public place, call for help. I won't leave you. The hell you won't, I say. If I tell you to go without me, you go without me, okay? Go to the police, get help, and then let me, let them take care of it, okay? They'll find me if they can, and if they can't, you move on. I don't. Deal. Deal, he says reluctantly. Good, let's go. I lead Jimin to residence block A, where Subin should be stationed. I come upon a sign marked the exit and follow it, knowing it will lead me to my best friend. After ten minutes or so of walking, we encounter her. She's standing right next to the door, weapon in hand. Her hand whips to me and immediately her eyes widen. She points her gun in my direction, wanting to know what's going on. What is this? She asks. Cora, what are you doing? I can't do this anymore, Subin. I have to go. I can't let you. Subin, please. If I, was, if I was ever your friend, if I am now, you have to let us go. I, you can 
come with us if you want. You can come to a better life. It's a good place out there. You don't have to be stuck here for the rest of your life on God duty. You can change this. Just come with us. Just let us go. She puts her gun down, finally relenting. I can go, but I'm going to get into a hell of a lot of trouble for doing this. She hands her a gun to Jimin, and he takes it, blowing a bit to thank her. Go. You were never here. Thank you, Josephine. I really do owe my life to you. I know, she replies, hugging me tightly. Goodbye. Goodbye. Hey, what are you doing? We've got an escaped prisoner on the loose, a voice explains. Jimin and I bought the door and out in the open. This is the northern side of the building, so we all have to do is run in a straight line. There are no roads going out of the complex this way, only a hill on which it's built and a forest that begins about 500 feet away. We run towards the forest and on the outskirts. I hear a shot fired in my direction. I turn around and find that somehow Taibu is only about 30 feet back. Jimin, go! I command. You can't! God damn it, go! I turn him around and push him into the forest. Find what's left for me earlier. Later. Whatever. Just go. He looks at me. Tears streaming openly down his face. He presses his lips to mine quickly. I love you, he says. He runs. I love you too. I speak to no one. Taiwu is upon me now, and I have no fear of facing him. Southern has her side, clutching her head as if it hurt her. Did I do something wrong in raising you? He asks me, seemingly a bit beside me himself. Why are you doing these things? It's not you, Taiwu. Say, it was never you. You did everything you could, but I guess I'm still a screw-up. Sarcasm is practically dripping from my voice. You can still come back, you know. Like hell I can. I know better than that, Taiwu. I'm not stupid. I'm in direct violation of protocol, and I'm damn proud of it. I did the right thing for once in my miserable life. I helped a good person to do what he wanted to do. I helped free Park Jimin from this awful place. I did a good deed for him. For someone I loved. Someone I love. You can't change me back to being a murderer. I won't fall for it again. He raises his gun, pointing it at me. I guess I have no choice then, he says. He's crying. Oh, you have a choice. You've got two options. You just don't consider one of them to be viable. Ever consider doing a good deed? Helping someone for anything other than personal gain? That's what you'd be doing here if you just let me go. But you won't, and that's okay. I won't let you kill me. Please don't make me do this, he says, his hands shaking as he holds the gun in my direction. Do it. I dare you. In a flurry of motion, Sabin knocks Taibu down as the gun fires, grazes my leg, and pain shoots through my body, but shock quickly covers for it. I run while I can, taking cover deeper in the forest, knowing that escape is no longer an option. I stall long enough to get Jimin out of here safely, but Taiwu is undoubtedly calling for a perimeter around the forest right now, and I'm hurt. I'm not getting out of here. <sighs> Guess I've got no other choice, I think. Taking shelter in a thicket. Sorry, Jimin. 
I do love you. I reach into my bag and remove the gun loaded with stolen bullets and the bottle of pills I'd snatched from the infirmary. I open the bottle and put a few capsules into my mouth. I hope he finds me. Now, it's over. I look at the gun in my hand, a sad smile on my face. I touch the side of my head, feel a bit of blood there. Something about this is so surreal. The tense atmosphere that was running through that woods like electricity is gone now. It's calm. It's impossibly calm. I turn the gun on myself, thinking of Jimin. I fire.